I'm delighted to announce that the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast has a brand new sponsor and it is Get Doper. Now, Get Doper is a fantastic supplement that I've been trialing for the past four to six weeks. And I have to say, I've noticed a really big difference. For any of you who have listened to me for a long time, you know I take supplements. I love them. Um, for me, it's just part of my lifestyle and my wellbeing management. But Get Doper has combined lots of the different supplements I was taking and just put them into one. So it's only three supplement tablets a day. And these combined are 16 powerful nootropic ingredients in the one smart supplement. It's really clever. And it's been created by a neurodivergent person. His name is Matt Buff. I've chatted to him and he's so passionate in helping neurodivergent brains thrive, feel regulated, less anxious, more clarity. And I have to say, I have really been surprised by the impact that Get Doper has had on my working day, feeling much more calm, my memory, my energy, my cognition, my focus, my mood has been significantly improved. So I wanted to let you know about the benefits and something that I do struggle with is sort of memory recall and names and words and things like that. And obviously with the podcast, it's really important, but I've really noticed that I have felt much more supported in this area. And I know that a lot of the 16 different ingredients are fantastic for the brain. Not only do they do all the things I was just telling you about, but they boost the neurotransmitters such as the dopamine, which we know we're deficient in, and that helps support our executive function. It supports our central nervous system, so that helps us with our mood regulation, with our anxiety, with sleep. It improves our digestive health, so it can support our gut-brain axis. Again, very important with regards to mood and anxiety. And it aids the formation, growth, and repair of our brain cells. So it's really protecting our brain with powerful antioxidants. If you want to know more about the formula, do head to the website, getdopa.com. And you'll also be able to read loads of fantastic reviews. It's not just me that's saying this. Lots of people are saying that they are cutting back on their ADHD medication, or they can be taken alongside their medication, which also is really sort of helping the impact of the medication. And there's also Dr. Rachel Gao, who is part of my ADHD Women's Wellbeing Hormone Series. And she is a nutritional neuroscientist and author of Smart Foods for ADHD Brain Health. And she says that Get Doper includes these powerful amino acids, minerals, vitamins, probiotics, alongside the plant-based ingredients. And these ingredients are well known for their ability to improve energy, cognitive function, mood, concentration, and supports memory. So I... I'm really excited to say that I have a 10% discount for you. If you go to the show notes, there's a clickable link. Click on the link, you'll get that 10% off. And I'll also be sharing some information on social media and head to their website, getdopa.com. So you can really understand the formula and read lots of these fantastic reviews. Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. So hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast and I'm so excited today. We have a fantastic guest. We have got singer-songwriter, musician, Cara Marnie. Now Cara is fresh off the festival circuit, you've been on tour with the Sugar Babes, you're from London. I absolutely adore your music, especially your latest song, which we're going to talk about, which is called very simply ADHD. And you are one talented, incredible lady who speaks her mind. And I'm so excited to bring you onto the podcast because um, I think lots of people will be interested to hear from you and your mindset around ADHD, which is not about shame. It's not about kind of like hiding it and masking, which I know potentially there's probably some stuff going on there, but the ADHD song, it's all about like pride and this is who I am. So Cara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a big fan of your podcast, firstly. 
Um, mm. Thank you for all the amazing work you do in, in our community and for raising awareness. Um, and I'm so happy you love the song, like, honestly. Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> I, I couldn't be more grateful about how our fellow ADHD community have um, embraced the song. I mean, I think there's been some misconceptions with some platforms that's been posted on about one of the lines in the songs, I don't know if you saw about, there's a line called, um, of the chorus, it's, I don't need fixing, I don't need mm. help, no medication, mama says I'm well. And I think a lot of people seem to take that as me, you know, med shaming or being anti-medication, mm. which just to like clear that up is not the case whatsoever. It's just it was my personal experience that when I tried it, it just for me didn't work. Um, I totally understand that for some people they cannot function without the medication. My best friend, two of my best friends are on medication for their ADHD and I would never judge them for that. It was just, I don't think it, it, it reacted well with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that was the wrong medication or maybe, I think medication works differently for every single person and it's it's not a one size fits all. And um, yeah, no, so I, I, I'm hoping that people understand that that was never the case and I would never shame anyone for how they treat their ADHD is so me and maybe lose my sense of like sparkle. Yeah. I feel like, first of all, I can like hear there's like a little bit of kind of like anxiety around that. And I just want to say to you that first of all, the song is incredible. The lyrics are so spot on, but also it's okay. I think for everybody to have an opinion about medication, I agree with you. I am very pro-choice with medication. I personally also am not medicated. Um, I have been, I have taken it in the past and I never say never in the future, but right now I manage it in different ways. And there's certain times I'm like, I really do need medication. And then there's certain times like, I'm okay, I'm doing this my way. And I think it's okay. You don't have to be afraid to be able to say medication isn't for me. And I do hear this a lot with people who are artists and work in this kind of like field where actually their ADHD, like they work in the middle of the night and they need that energy and that hyper-focus and that sort of like erraticness sometimes mm-hmm. to get them over the line, to be able to produce what they need to do. And sometimes it's the medication that certain people need when unfortunately they're in jobs that aren't working for them, their lifestyles, they haven't quite gotten in check. But also sometimes, as we know with ADHD, there's so many different issues and comorbidities that come with that, like mood fluctuations and depression and anxiety and OCD and binge eating and all these things. And medication is vital. It's vital to be able to bring that into some form of neutrality and equilibrium. So... I think it's okay for you to have an opinion on medication, but also be really open about, I guess, where you were. I mean, what the song is, like sort of to preface this, yes. is to say that you're, you obviously knew that there was ADHD there in the mix from quite a young age. I mean, what, when did you start noticing your ADHD and when were you diagnosed? So the song is, uh, the first line is, when I was young, they tried to tell my mm. mom that I'm crazy. So I think that kind of indicates that at school, I realized that I wasn't quite the same as every single other student in the sense that I was just excessively out there and over the top in every sense. You know, I was so loud. I was disruptive. I was, you know, I, I was interrupting the teachers and class the whole time. I was unable to concentrate. I was unable to sit still and to focus and to really just kind of channel my energy in the right way. And from about, I would say, eight years old was when the, sh- the signs were showing and they were really not great in the sense, like my mum was being called in every day to the head teacher's office, like, you know, Cara's been doing this and Cara's done this and throwing stuff around the, the classroom. I was like a out of control firecracker in the sense, when I look back at it, I'm like, why was I so seeking for so much attention? Which is quite sad because I think, it comes from another place of me not feeling like enough in the way that the other students would have felt in the sense maybe they were good at the math subject or maybe they were great in drama or or in certain other subjects. But for me, I just couldn't, I wasn't good at anything. Obviously, I always had my music and singing, but this kind of school I was in was a fiercely academic school and I wasn't able to achieve in those subjects that mattered. So yes, I can sing and and I was good at that from a young age but they didn't really care unless you were like the top set in maths they weren't looking at you so 
I think for me, it was kind of a cry for attention in the sense like somebody noticed me, somebody acknowledged me. And it was almost like I was craving any attention, whether it be good or bad. It wasn't, it wasn't just good attention. So I would, mm-hmm. I would attract attention in bad ways by doing really dumb and bad things. Like I can't believe I, I mean, saying this, but I, I literally ripped up this girl's artwork that she spent like weeks on because I just, I just, I don't know why. It's insane. Like, why would I do that? But I think because I was just so neglected in this, in the eyes of the teachers, I just thought I want. Even if I'm in trouble, that means they're paying some attention to me. Maybe they're, they're, they're. Oh, it's so bad when I talk about it because I'm really embarrassed. But like, obviously now looking back, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? But it makes me feel sad that I, I, I was so desperate to feel seen and like heard that I would just go to crazy lengths to sort of whip up some sort of. Yeah. Can I reframe this for you, for you? Because I can like feel that there's like still lots of shame and embarrassment for you that you maybe you've been carrying around but you know it wasn't your fault that the teachers didn't pick up on that and the teachers weren't trained in those days and are still needing to be trained in these days for you them to be able to pick up first of all if you were a boy I wonder if they would have seen ADHD and they would have been like well he's clearly got ADHD he's bouncing off the walls he's not concentrating he's being disruptive he needs some help but because you were a girl and ADHD was just not even considered, you were just an attention-seeking girl. I'm doing that in quotation marks. However, you were probably bored. You weren't being stimulated. So you're, the only way that you could stimulate yourself, you know, was to be disruptive and to do these things and to get the attention. The thing, you know, you're saying you were looking for attention. You were looking to be stimulated and you were looking for something that was going to you know, pique your interest, which clearly was music and, you know, theatre and all the, all the, you know, all the performing and all of that. And so that wasn't your fault. The teachers, they have, a, I think, a, a level of responsibility to, to see students like you and be like, she needs some extra help. She needs some guidance. We need to steer her energy and her um, exuberance in a different way. And so for you to carry that shame moving forward, it wasn't your fault. And I think it's really important that so many of us know this, that so many of us were lost and weren't seen and weren't validated and dismissed and ignored because it just wasn't on the teacher's radar. It just, ADHD and girls just wasn't wasn't there. And so I'm interested to know that I saw in your, your bio that you went to Brit school. Yes. At what point did this talent for singing and music and performing you know, become this almost like a bit of a hyper-focus for you when you suddenly kind of realised this was your raison d'etre, really? Mm-hmm. Firstly, I want to thank you for sort of explaining that to me because I've not heard it in the way that you've explained it to me about um, why I was the way I was. And I really do wish that um, going forward that there's someone there that even just has a slight understanding of what ADHD is. And it's not that we're bad and we're naughty you know i feel like there's this naughty child but actually that child is just someone that wants to feel understood and seen and heard and that rebel child isn't there's always a reason and a deeper meaning to their actions and for me it's because i wasn't being celebrated for who i was and you know i wanted to be the lead role in the play but because i wasn't in the higher math set i wasn't allowed and that really upset me that really knocked me and yeah, I just wanted to say that um, I really hope with this song that I've been sort of promoting is that it's not about even promoting myself. It's just raising awareness because still, even in schools, a lot of teachers don't understand. Not every child learns in the same way. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you have to change the whole curriculum. But if there was one teacher that literally just sat me aside for like an hour, even an hour a day, or just was able to give me a bit more time, to, and and to pay a bit more focus on me, then I would have I would have done a lot better, and I wouldn't have been asked to leave my school. I got asked to leave the school because I, I I just couldn't I couldn't hack it, and I felt like I was in a straitjacket in that uniform. Well, that's why I wrote in the song, um, put her in a jacket. This girl moving batshit, never going to slow her down. Because I just didn't it didn't feel like me. So my mum took me from that school and put me into Sylvia Young Theatre School where I was doing my dancing, my singing, my acting, and I was so stimulated and able to channel my energy in the right way. And that's where it just went like this to me because I was able to really just flourish. And it just goes to show like, just because one child isn't great in this 
square peg round hole thing. They might be better in a, a different shaped cutter. Like it doesn't, it's not a, a case of that child being stupid and dumb and lazy. It's a case of why don't we actually change the environment and find the things that this child is interested in instead of A, immediately medicating them. I'm not saying, again, anti-medication. I'm just saying mm. instead of jumping to that as the first route to uh, fixing fixing me, which is what the teachers were saying to my mum, is they were saying constantly, please put her on something because we can't deal with her, which I can understand from their perspective. It's a lot to deal with when you're trying to manage another class. But equally, why didn't you actually have a conversation with my mum and say, do you know what? She's expressing signs. She loves singing. We, you should enroll her in some singing lessons. Mm -hmm. You get her in after school activities with dancing instead of saying, put her on Ritalin. Do, do you understand? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a wider uh, conversation that needs to be had about the steps we take into actually helping a child with ADHD find their groove. Because when we're able to, to hyper-focus on something we love, it just goes to show with, with what I'm doing now with my music and I've made it like my full-time career, that, that you can do great things. It's not always, oh, negative, you know, can't focus, can't learn. It's just finding those um, subjects that spark interest and that can stimulate. And, and it's just funny for me because I am so grateful that my mum sort of understood me because I feel like even with a lot of parents, there's not so much awareness around ADHD. So instead of thinking their child is kind of, maybe not best fit in this school, they just think their child is, you know, a problem child and they're hopeless. When actually we need to look further into the brain and, and, and actually see, oh, he likes kicking a football around. Okay, maybe he's not best off doing cumul night and day. Maybe some football classes. There's so many things that we can enroll children in today that there's no excuse to just sort of, mark your child is useless because everyone will have something something that they like doing that's not oh my god yeah you know there's totally so, there's so many things so for example like a lot of the people in my my academic school i was in before the parents were telling my mum she's completely insane for taking me out because they wanted all their kids to go to oxbridge and and study and all of this kind of stuff and my mum said my daughter's not happy here and you know i can see it's getting her i was coming home every day crying from school Every single day without fail, I would come home and I would cry my eyes out. And I, I, I just was so unhappy that when I went to Sylvia Young and, and then I went to Brit School after, it just, it was just like a completely different world when you're actually able to be good at something and to, to get some praise for something that you've achieved instead of like, you're falling behind in maths, you know, your science scores are, you know, the lowest in the year and all of this stuff. It's just, it's it's so lovely to be able to find that high something that you want to hyper focus on and really because when we hyper focus on something it's not like the average person when they focus we we just have this like tunnel vision that mm -hmm. be amazing at anything like if i want to achieve anything i can that's why i like to talk about adhd as yes it can be a super villain but it can also be a superpower in the sense that without my adhd i wouldn't be able to do so much and be able to give so much energy on stage and to my performing and to my writing and to all of the the things that my industry requires of me, I, I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't have these kind of traits. There are things that are really positive that it helps me with. So I, I kind of like to speak about both things because I feel like ADHD, there's a lot of negative, always negative things attached to it. And um, it's nice to also talk about the, the positive traits and superpowers that we feel that we might have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, when I'm listening to you, I mean, I listened to a, a podcast recently with Noel Gallagher and, you know, obviously one of the greatest singer-songwriters of, of any generation. He's just a genius in my eyes. And he was saying he can't do anything apart from write songs. He can't drive. He's not great at cooking. You know, obviously he's got kids and stuff, but he just said writing songs is what comes to me. It's almost like a God-given talent that he just songs just appear and he's like a prolific songwriter and he just writes every single day but we would never turn around and go well, you can't do this and you can't do that like that's he's channeled his his talents his hyper focus his interests and he's made it you know into something fantastic so instead of you know berating ourselves for having these you know hyper focuses and these fixations that we are you know clearly good at it's like well let's celebrate it and let's really focus and niche down on that 
And I just think when we, we're parenting kids, listen, you're, you know, you're, I hate to say it, 20 years younger than me. I'm 43 and I'm, I've got kids who are like older and I'm looking at them. I'm thinking all I want for them, you know, maybe 15 years ago I would have been like, oh, I just want them to go to university and get a good job and like have security. And now I genuinely just want them to follow their path that makes them feel happy and confident and they know they're fulfilling their own potential in whatever that is. Like if that is cooking, if that's building houses, if that's gardening, like I don't care because when we get into that flow, when we finally realize what we're good at and stop berating ourselves for all the stuff that we can't do, that's where we see the success. That's why we see so many people who are successful with ADHD because they've accepted who they are. They followed their path, no matter how bizarre or, you know, niche it is. And very often we see that we see people like scientists or we see people who are like doing research in really specific areas because that's what we're interested in. But we're not interested in folding washing and doing shopping or cleaning our bathroom cupboards out, you know, all these little things. So it's just, you know, really inspiring to hear you, who is almost like a generation younger, to have that kind of awareness and for you to be able to use your voice, you know, your singing voice, but also your social media platform to encourage other people to know that it's okay to follow their path. And I've seen you perform. I've watched videos. I mean, I love, I'm going to, I want to talk about the song ADHD because was that like a big deal for you to write that? Was that a big deal for you to be like, right, I'm going to promote this. I'm going to almost be like an activist on, on social media. And also, you know, we, we hear a lot about people being diagnosed online, you know, social media, kind of like watching a TikTok video and almost people saying, oh, TikTok's just kind of diagnosing everyone with ADHD, right, you know, at the moment. And it's almost had like a bit of a negative impact on ADHD because everyone's got a little bit of ADHD now. That really bugs me, sorry to interject there, because firstly, if you're diagnosing yourself off a TikTok or an Instagram reel, then you you know, you, you do need to see a doctor because what no one in their right mind should be diagnosing themselves through one TikTok. And I think, you know, with this song, I'm it was a very vulnerable song for me to write. I'd never talked about having ADHD. I literally put my heart on an entire platter with this song. I was crying throughout the entire time I wrote this song with my friend who produced it, Cameron, who's amazing. And I needed to write this song. Whether it was going to be released or not, I didn't know yet, but I just needed to write the songs. There's so many songs I just write that I don't release that I just, for example, things I need to get off my chest that are easier for me to say in music than in person, for example. Mm -hmm. And with this song, I needed to write it because I'd never sort of come to terms with the fact that my childhood, I was very unhappy throughout my entire school years. Just, I felt worthless. And I, I, I never sort of spoke about it in a way that I could understand why. I just thought, oh, I just, you know, I didn't really think about it because I didn't want to think about, you know, if I was the problem. So when I sat down, I spoke to him because it's like a therapy session when, when you go and write songs, you know, with my friend who's a producer, we, we write everything together because I feel like I can only open up sort of to him almost. I can't sort of just open up my deepest and darkest uh, fears and insecurities with someone I've just met. So yeah, it goes, you know, he's my best friend as well. So we spoke about it and he was sort of saying, you know, you mentioned to me that when you were young, you, you, you didn't really have a great time at school. And, and literally I just burst into tears and I spoke about everything that I felt and how I just was never understood by anyone, anyone of the teachers at school, the, the people, the authoritative figures. And the song just poured out of me that I wrote it in an hour. Um, and I never even thought, the funniest thing, I never thought I was going to call it ADHD because that wasn't really what I was thinking about. I was just talking about my experience. And when I listened to it, I was like, oh my God, that just describes my ADHD perfectly and what that experience was like growing up. Um, and obviously, it's, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to release it, to be honest with you, because I just thought, oh God, I don't know if I want to put myself out there that much in that capacity because if someone hears that song they will understand me perfectly and what my experience was like and that's quite a hard thing to just shove out to everyone because if someone doesn't like it it hurts more because it's a very personal song whereas 
some other songs I've released, it's kind of just a vibey song that I thought was fun and good vibes, you know? So I, I wasn't so, um, I wouldn't be so upset if someone didn't like it. But this song, I was like, well, if this isn't received well, it is going to upset me because it's like, you know, an inner, inner part of my soul almost. How was it received? I mean, from a music industry perspective, I'm not familiar at all, but like I can imagine it's quite cutthroat and ruthless and, you know, sales and record industry and all of that, like, did they, were they supportive um, for you putting that out as a single? How does it work? To be honest, so I'm not uh, with a major label. I've made that decision to stay independent just because it, it's a whole other conversation about being with a major label, but it's basically um, quite an archaic structure within artists growing and being able to actually earn a living from releasing music with the label because the, the, the deals are wildly unfair. And yeah, they're the same imagine. That were the you know that Mariah Carey would have signed when actually the labels had all the power and had the, the the ability to make artists do well. Now they don't have that because the power is within the people, which is amazing. It's all you have much as much chances. Um, you know, Bob, who's been signed to Warner Brothers because yeah. if you're posting, you're singing videos on TikTok that could go viral and all of that kind of stuff. But anyway, so I'm in control of my career now, which is amazing and. I, I spoke to my manager about it and he said, you know, this is such an honest, vulnerable song that I think you should release it because maybe there's other people out there that need a song and an anthem to empower them to feel better about their experience and feel a bit more seen. So I decided to put it out and then I just thought, do you know what? I don't like doing anything in halves. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to promote this. I'm not going to be shy and holding back in any capacity. So I really am just like going hard with, with promoting it and trying to raise awareness because with this song, I, I thought, right, this isn't about me. I just want to create as much conversation as I can around ADHD. So the good, the bad, the in-between. And that's what's happened. There's been bad, there's been good, there's been in the middle, there's been, oh, stop trying to diagnose people. But to those people, what I would say is, firstly, please do not diagnose yourself ever online you obviously must see a doctor because there's so much information online that's a inaccurate and b uh, might not even be relevant to what you have and c everyone should be able to talk about their personal experience with adhd and what their traits are that's, mm -hmm. that's not a crime against humanity and um the only way we can raise awareness is by talking about it so if anything, I'm, I'm grateful to those people as well for helping create better engagement and making some of these posts go viral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were, you mentioned the word anthem and I do believe like we, it, it's so well articulated. And like you say, you know, everyone's got a personal experience with ADHD and tra our traits look different. And that's another reason why it's been first so, so hard to diagnose, especially in girls and women, but also because it's, it's a spectrum. So some people are really, really debilitated by it. And it's just, you know, life is incredibly challenging. And for other people, it's there. It's an inconvenience. It's an annoyance. It rears its head in different ways at different times of the month. But it's relatively manageable for some people. And so when people don't understand it, and people are just kind of like, well, you seem to be fine. And your house seems to be tidy. And you look showered and together. Well, it can't be that bad. And it's like, no, no, no. Or you know, even yesterday I was at the optician and I was getting my eyes tested and he said, well, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh God, here we go again. And I kind of sometimes just go, well, I'm a coach. And well, what do you coach? And, and then, I, I, then I come, well, I can't really hold back. So I talk about it. And he's like, really? Like, what, what do you mean ADHD in women? And like, this is an optician who was in his sort of late 20s. And he, bless him, he was actually very interested and curious, asked lots of questions. Right. But he just didn't understand. He didn't know. He goes, well, I wouldn't have put you down as ADHD. Yeah. And I said, well, why? He goes, well, you just don't look like someone with ADHD. And we're still being hit. Exactly. I said, well, you don't know what's going on in the inside of my brain. And um, I was a bit sort of prickly about that. And I thought, yeah. I just can't be bothered. Mm. But it's that constant stigma, that pushback. You know, we wouldn't get that with someone who said, listen, I'm bipolar, um, you know, I'm depressed and um, I've got, you know, debilitating anxiety. Like people still, you know, people have empathy, people have sympathy. You know, if we say we've been on antidepressants um, and people, you know, that conversation's sort of being understood in mainstream culture now, whereas ADHD was still 
battling with this stigma, this taboo, and it's to do with medication. It's to do with how our ADHD has been presented outwardly, you know, from the 80s to the 90s, to the Ritalin kids, to the boys. To... And we're, unfortunately, as women and girls, we're still um, shouldering all of this. Okay. You know, even my kids, my my daughters, who I thought would be a bit more kind of out there and proud and like, you know, they're, they're there and it's this new generation. And there's still that taboo, that stigma. Oh, don't talk about it. I haven't got ADHD. And I don't tell my teacher, don't want you to go into school. I'm like, sweetheart, you've been diagnosed. You, The SEND department knows about you. You're entitled to get this extra help and this extra time. But they're still, they're embarrassed. And why? Because we're still, you know, in this archaic system, which is sort of pretending to be forward thinking. But I genuinely believe that we've got, we've got another generation to go. But you being out there and, and talking about it is is a head, you know, spearheading this, as helping push, hopefully, a, a bit further. And that's why it's important. You know, we need to get this out there. We need it viral. And what what's your plan sort of moving forwards now, like work-wise, understanding your neurodivergent brain? And also, I wanted to ask you, you know, you have, you just told me about your summer. You said you were supporting the Sugar Babes. You've been bouncing around doing all these incredible festivals. As we know, our nervous systems are more sensitive. We are more prone to anxiety and burnout. And we have to look after ourselves. We really do, because as incredibly um, focused and energized and and all these things, when we hit that wall of burnout, it can be really difficult. And, you know, for someone like you who has to show up, has to be out there, has to be promoting themselves, what's your sort of strategy to prevent this burnout so you can keep doing the stuff that you enjoy? So honestly, like the burnout <laughs> thing, I'm still trying to figure out because I think um, myself and balance have never sort of aligned. Like my personality has always been all or nothing you know I'm either really focused on work or really not focused and it's it's just funny because my mum always says the same like you even when it comes to relationships I'm either fully in a relationship spending every waking moment with someone or I'm like not dating at all and I'm basically just drowning in my work and my responsibilities um so I struggle with the whole trying to find a work-life balance and not burning out and pacing myself so uh, especially in an industry that demands and requires so much of your personal energy externally internally when I'm in the studio and writing and then externally when I'm doing interviews and performing and all of this kind of stuff um but I've tried to realize that it's okay to say no mm-hmm. um and that actually you know for example when I was on the tour my manager was like right we're going to do a few interviews you're going to be singing before we're going to go here 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 and I said, no, like I will do one or two, but I'm not going to do 10. So by the time I get to the show, I then am basically burnt out and I can't even stomach giving a second more of my energy to people. Because it's a very weird dynamic being the subject and then the observer. Like, and you're just like, you know, the audience are observing you and you're like this just giver. And it's amazing, but it's also very weird, the dynamic of like, constantly doing that in you know all the time where you're kind of what's the word you're just not you're not being viewed as as the same it's kind of like you can't just go after a show when you're signing cds and i'm trying to do my you know um engage with everyone and speak to the wonderful supporters i can't go well i've had a really shit day and i'm like you know about to break down in tears you have to almost put on this like smiley face that's okay and that I can't talk about that I'm drained and I just basically want to pass out because I've been up since X X time and I haven't had a nap and I'm like just burnt out and my stimulation is just like at an all-time high. But I think I'm learning to say no to things so I can pace myself better and I'm learning to realise that actually what I need to do is be by myself. Like after shows, I like to be by myself. I like to like lock myself in a room you know, read a book, watch something, steam, do my vocal exercises to warm down my voice. I don't need to be going out with the band and having a good time because then by the next day, I'm, I'm completely like finished. So it's just about learning to say no to things and not feel pressured into going out and doing that extra event or doing that extra activity that could be the the, the straw that broke, 
strokes the camel's back if that makes sense yeah yeah I mean it's you're so wise um for your years for you to be able to have this recognition this self-awareness of discipline of understanding your limitations and you know clearly there's a huge dopamine high when you're on stage I mean I've never been on stage and done anything like that but I can only imagine this you're like this surge of dopamine and you kind of want to chase it and the fact that you know you're saying no to going out with the band and drinking and all of that and how do you find that for yourself like to have that kind of internal discipline knowing that if you're going to stay in this industry it's a long game isn't it a hundred percent I think um, it's interesting because from Sylvia Young days, I think I I learned to be disciplined in a way that a lot of young kids probably are not in situations that force them to be that way because we would be friendly with our girlfriends at lunch and then we'd be up against each other in an audition um, after lunch. So it was I had to kind of separate the whole friendship and just that kind of thing with being professional and now I'm actually competing with this person for a job, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I learned very early on that me and drugs and alcohol are not to be, like I've never tried, I'm not, I'm not into any of it. I don't drink at all. I've not even tried cigarettes, nothing. Because my brain is already wired so differently that if I did that, I think I would genuinely go insane because my, my energy already is so crazy as in when I'm out and I'm listening to great music and I've got this adrenaline that most people only get when they take something. And people yeah. ask me all the time when I'm out, are you on something? What have you taken? Can I have some? I'm like, honey. <laughs> like, um, so I've, um, from a very young age, I said to myself, that's it. I'm not going to do that. I know how I have an extremely addictive personality. And if I were to be reliant on just taking a few shots every time before a show or smoking a joint I I would be addicted to that because my whole family have very addictive personalities and I would just be you know I wouldn't be able to do it in moderation like I said before I I don't understand how to do anything in moderation so um for me it's been easier because I've learned from a young age to be that to, to, to say right that's it now I can see where I'm going wrong here I'm going out and I'm pushing myself too hard after I've done x y and z and that's what's really killing me off so if I actually just remove a few things or re- reschedule them to other times, I, I will be able to pace myself better. Yeah, I think, I mean, what you, I can hear is that you, it's a very, you know, strong ADHD trait that we like autonomy and we like to be able to have that freedom and that independence to do things our way. And from what I know about the music industry, you know, management companies, record labels, they try and dominate an, uh, an artist and maybe the artists that have been more sensitive and have been more, you know, prone to addictive behaviours and having to be that, you know, to do loads of shows in one week when really that is not going to be good for their health and their, you know, their mental health. Those are the ones ha- who have sadly suffered and to be able to know that it's more important for you to have that level of autonomy for you to be able to say, no, that's, that's going to be too much for me. Like that's going to tip me over the edge that is probably going to help you with your career because you can't be on a burnout and performing and doing what you want to do. And obviously you're so passionate about it. And I'm really happy to hear that you stay away from all of that because it is really important to have that insight over our addictive personalities and to be able to know that that could potentially be a route that that is not going to serve us. And it's really interesting to be able to speak to an artist that has that level of self-awareness of because I know some people need to have drugs and alcohol for them to be able to open up, to feel more confident, to feel more loose, you know, relaxed on stage. 100% agree. And it's, it's interesting because, like, I feel um, it's a bit ironic that I am so not disciplined in other areas, but with this specific thing about not, not trying these things, I am quite disciplined because I think when you realize that actually this will be the downfall of you, it's not a question of if it's, it will, it will. You have to know that it's, when someone offers me a cigarette, I don't think of, I'll take just that cigarette. I think, do I want a lifelong addiction and these cigarettes to run the course of my life and when I can do what I want to do without needing another fix? So that's why I'm so kind of 
strong on that. And that's the thing about, again, what I told you with the extremes. I can't balance. I can't just have one drink. I can't, not because I, you know, I've had experience of abusing alcohol, but I just know that if I, if I get to like it and if I like the feeling of what it gives me, I will be addicted to that. I know that a thousand percent. And um, I think it's really important knowing when you're ADHD and we do have that kind of no middle ground mentality where it's just literally zero or a hundred that when it comes to things that could really be deteriorating for us in every way, is that the right word? Did you, did, no. Yeah, but I understand what you, I understand what you mean. That could sort of lead to a deterioration. Yes. Yes. Um, so again, that's the thing. I'm like, I forget how to speak sometimes. Yeah, word finding is really, word I mean, I, hello, I'm a bloody podcast host. I'm like, oh my God, I can't articulate myself. You've been amazing. I'm sat there like trying to digest the information. I'm like, don't interrupt her. Like, <laughs> what did she ask you? What are you trying to like? It's such a, that's the thing. Even doing these podcasts, it's quite funny because like, it's an extreme sport for me because I have to really focus in and hone in on what, you're asking me, and then I'm like, right, retain that information. Don't veer off onto another subject. Are you answering the question? Have you interrupted her? Are you? It's like when you're ADHD, you, you it's it's like a bit more difficult to actually take those pauses and think about what you're going to say, and, and yeah. not, not just interject. Um, oh, it's so hard because I'm the same. I'm like, oh, I've got to ask about this. I've got to ask about that. But it, it seems to work. We seem to have a conversation. It seems to be fine. When, that's why I get on with ADHD people best. Yeah. It's like all my best friends are ADHD as well because they just understand. So there's 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 like a mutual understanding if we're a bit late or if we're, yeah. you know, a bit over talking and over sharing and over explaining. It's just like understood because they're the same, you know, so. Yeah, um, that's why I love it. I love hanging out with people who've got yeah. neurodivergent brains because we are so similar. We get each other. We can almost kind of understand what we're trying to say without the words being there and it's such a pleasure to be able to talk to people with ADHD because it's inspiring like you're doing your thing through music I speak to someone else that's doing their thing through being an entrepreneur or a yoga instructor and all of this and it's that same energy it's it's a very sort of familiar like-minded energy that we kind of just embrace and you know what I was going to say before we finish is you know, for you to be able to recognise that you have this kind of almost slightly addictive personality and you do things in extremes. And what I wish I'd known maybe at your age is to channel that into things like yoga, breath work, um, relaxation, um, exercise, movement, like however, because that, if you've got those core foundations in place, that will serve you for the rest of your life. And wherever you are on tour, anywhere in the world, you'll have those things of like, okay, I can't sleep. What do I need to do? I, I'm feeling really unsettled. What do I need to do? And almost having like a, a toolbox in your back pocket of like calming, settling, relaxing techniques, especially maybe if you come off stage and you are like buzzing and now you're like, oh shit, I need to go to sleep. Is that something that you're interested in, in sort of like that well-being side? I think I struggle with that well-being. So I can't meditate. I wish I knew how to tap into a part of my brain that could sort of zen out and switch off. But it just seems my brain literally is going 20,000 miles an hour at all times because I struggle sleeping. Like I don't sleep at all very much because I, I can't sleep. I spend hours trying to get to sleep. And by the time I'm trying to get to sleep, I, I realize I need to start getting ready for the day. Um, so I, I really struggle with that kind of yoga meditation side of things because every time I'm there, I'm just sort of everyone's closing their eyes and I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm just like, how is everyone just able to like, I'm like wanting to start laughing or doing something silly. And it's not because I'm trying to be disruptive. I just don't think I, um, I do very well, like sitting still and being calm and like, mm -hmm. you know, going into different thoughts. I can't do it. My brain doesn't allow me. I will try again, but. I'm starting to lose the will to live with the meditation thing because I just can't. Yeah, I don't meditate. I don't meditate for that reason, but I do other things which mm. help me calm my brain. And so don't think that just because you can't meditate, which is why, you know, EFT, like tapping is really good because you're being kind of active, but you're calming like the nervous system and the amygdala in the brain, which is telling you, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, like be on high alert. Um, but also just like gentle breath work for 20 seconds here, 20 seconds there. It doesn't have to be a 20 minute breath work session. It could just be 
20, 20 seconds, like every hour, or just going for a walk and not, you know, not having to kind of like be on your phone and just yes. listening to some music, like that is enough. But we're told again in this society, meditate, you've got to meditate. And if you don't meditate, then, you know, that's it. Or, you know, you've got to lie, you know, at yoga at the end, the Shavasana, and everyone's kind of like snoring and I'm looking around going, why is everyone asleep? And I'm just kind of like thinking of, but it's the way you do it in your way. And if you, you'll find the ways, and I guess without meaning to sound patronizing, but when I was 23, I probably didn't know any of this as well. And it's just, as you get older, you find that that way that works for you, that may not look like anyone else's way of, of relaxing. Like my husband's way of relaxing is going on a run. And he says, it's meditation for me running, but that's not the typical way of meditating. So just find your way that mm. calms and soothes and relaxes you. Um, you know, watching Netflix without a phone near you, so if that's relaxing. That's such a good point about what you said about the, because I've always felt stupid. I'm like, I can't meditate. Maybe I'm not Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm not like normal in the sense everyone seems to like find this meditation like their saving grace and the way that they can like zone out. But I, walking for me when I'm without my phone, being with my grandma when we're in the garden because she's like my best friend and we do a lot of things together and we plant we plant loads of fruits and vegetables and we grow stuff in her little garden and that for me I find is when I'm the most like at peace and the most relaxed when I'm with like my family, um, although they're chaotic Greek people, um, you know, it's definitely my big factory wedding vibes over here. Like, <laughs> complete and utter like chaos at all times. But I, I feel like almost a calm within that because it's just this sign of sense of like belonging. Definitely reading. I used to love reading, but I've, I really struggle now to just like remember what the hell I've read. So I'll literally read a whole chapter and I've been thinking about what embarrassing thing I did on the train that morning or when I fell over in front of that person in Sainsbury's oh like and I, and then I'm like what the hell have I just read so I, I I used to be better at it but I've got worse for some reason like now I, I really am like I want to be able to zone out so now I, I read books that are very like they've got so many like illustrations so more things to keep me stimulated like there's this book actually that I've got right next to me that's a great example of if you need like more things to stimulate you, this is called What a Time to Be Alone by a girl called Chidera Egu, who's actually one of my good friends. And it's it's an amazing, empowering guide to um, kind of learning that actually we don't need anyone else to make us feel whole. But she's just got so many like illustrations and um, there's just so many like images and paintings that help keep me focused. And I think that's what I need is I can't, I get a bit overwhelmed when I just see words on a page for like thousands of pages. I'm like, okay, this is like, I need something. I need a break for my brain. Yeah. I've realized that those kind of style books help me focus and relax more because I can take a moment from digesting information and just kind of observe, oh, that's a nice painting. Okay, okay, now we get back to following the story. Um, yeah. And that's amazing that you can start to understand your brain and understand. And there's no surprise that you're talking about like being with your grandma, being outside in nature, planting, you know, anything like that to do with connection, to do with nature, to do with decompressing, to removing, you know, and technology, anything like that, that if that is what helps calm and soothe your nervous system, then embrace it. You're not doing anything wrong. It's perfect. Like Dr. Ned Halliwell, who is literally, you know, um, knows more about ADHD than anyone. He always says that the power of connection is one of the greatest things for ADHD. And if we have that, we have people that understand us and love us no matter what, and there's connection there, that can be one of the greatest assets for ADHD. It's when we aren't understood and we're not, um, we're not seen for who we are. That is one of the hardest things. And I agree with you. I'm in the garden the whole time. I'm like weeding and planting and pottering and walking around barefoot. And I, that is me in my, like my happy place. Mm -hmm. And, and that's it. And so amazing. <laughs> you like that as well. I think there is something about nature that for me, I can't quite get that same feeling, even just having your feet in the grass and sitting on the grass mm -hmm. without socks, that like earthing feeling. And I think because we're so tuned into our phones and uh, you know our computers and our netflix and our 
you know, games that, that it's so overstimulating in a way, but not in a good way. You're not being overstimulated with great things. It's just so much information to process that when you're actually yeah. out in nature and I live right near the Heath, Hampstead Heath, so I'm literally like always in the Heath and it just gives me the sense of peace. Yes, I'm not sat there still, but like just even just like, you know, having a lie down in the middle of the grass or like, you know, just being at my grandma's house, planting, speaking to her. Absolutely. Listen, you're wise beyond your years. And um, I can't wait for people to hear your song if they've not heard it before. And I think you're incredible, Cara. You're going to be incredibly successful. I can't wait to see you on the main stage in Glastonbury. Oh, you're <laughs> such a sweetheart. You'll be there front row. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I feel, yeah. You, you're, you're absolutely gorgeous inside and out and um, incredibly talented. And I really want people to go and check you out because it's so refreshing to see someone of your age with the insights and the self-awareness that you've got. And I believe that you will be helping and modeling to lots of other young girls who've got neurodivergence in some way who want to be able to be there and not be embarrassed and, and ashamed and really step into who they are. So thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. You're such a sweetheart. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for this conversation. You can send me the invoice bill for the therapy. <laughs> I feel like these, these are like therapy because it's not often you can speak to someone in this depth about of, of, of everything that you go through because not everyone sort of understands so thank you for allowing me um this space and giving me the space to talk about it and and you're amazing at what you do and keep keep doing what you're doing and i'm i'm such a big fan of talking about how we feel and creating this conversation because the more of this the better I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did and it resonated with you, I would absolutely love it if you could share on your platforms or maybe leave a review and a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please do check out my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk for lots of free resources and paid for workshops. I'm uploading new things all the time and I would absolutely love to see you there. Take care and see you for the next episode.